1: Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove, and today joined by a special guest, Sam Mulner of Newcastle Fans TV. Sam, thank you very much for popping onto the pod.
0: No, it's uh, the pleasure is all mine.
1: It's been a busy few months for Newcastle United, it's been a busy few months for journalists covering the club, and a busy m- few months for you guys at Newcastle Fans TV. Uh, just talk us through um what's been happening with you guys over the last few months i suppose with the takeover Ugh. the uh the need for content's
0: gone through the roof slightly hasn't it just i mean since since takeover day or d day or however you want to describe it um it has been crazy but in a good way in in the best possible way um uh, whenever the mood is positive and you can't get much more positive after a takeover, than than what it's been like at Newcastle, yeah, um, media requests and and the not so much pressure, but the willingness and 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 the want to do more and more engaging content is has just multiplied so much over over the past few months. But it, it's been so much fun since the takeover, and now the team's performing as well. That just makes things ten times better too.
1: I suppose that's the key word there, fun. You know, as a fan, you want to be going to games thinking you're gonna win. Whereas in previous seasons and the previous managers, you were going fear and thinking, what's the best uh, defeat we can achieve today? Are we gonna sc- are we gonna concede two or three goals? You know, whereas there's a different feeling around the club now and it's 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 what fans want to listen to and watch as well when it comes to content, whether it be from here at The Chronicle or you guys at Newcastle fans TV, and there's been some Brilliant stuff going out. You mentioned there the results of late. Newcastle unbeaten in the league in 2022. Last five games, a third in the form table, 12 points. And West Ham on Saturday on paper, a very difficult game. They're chasing top four uh, Top four finish this season. They want Champions League. They deserve to be there. They're there on on merit. And I think no matter how much confidence there was coming into that game, Uh, The momentum's with Newcastle. You still look at West Ham as a very good side. And part of me was still expecting a little, it was expecting a defeat, I think. But to come away not only with a point, but also questioning just how Newcastle didn't win the game, it's a mark of
0: how far they've come. Oh, absolutely. Um, When with the players we had missing, you you would, you would, you were right. Yeah, you would kind of expect a, a defeat. Um if you're being realistic. I mean, if we were going there with Callum Wilson, with Kieran Trippier, um, with Alan St. Maximum, you'd you'd be hopeful of getting something perhaps given the form. Um, our record at the London Stadium in previous years isn't bad at all. Um, maybe we there was a chance if we went with a really bad team like we did a few years ago when we siveed them. Um we would have had a chance but when with the late news of uh, ASM missing that kind of took the wind out the sails briefly um, but once kickoff happened and we really didn't half take the game to to West Ham it was an absolute joy to behold um it just goes to show the improvement that we have made because at the, at the start of this season, it, it wasn't always fun going to to watch Newcastle and you're just doing it for the sheer love and because you've been doing it for years and years and years. But the performances and now the results are, are following. It's just... I, I, I'm very nervous when it comes to, to watching Newcastle at the best of times. So I'm still in the mindset that we're still in a relegation dogfight, there's still plenty of work to be done. But over the past few weeks, my word, it's just improved tenfold. Um, The the midfield, the defence, the the real key areas which needed to be improved in January that were, by not maybe glamorous signings, but signings that need to happen short to medium term, is currently paying dividends. And if we can keep key players fit, then we should start to pull away pretty quickly, hopefully starting at uh, Brentford on Saturday.
1: You mentioned there the blow of losing Alan St. Maxman obviously came on on top of the fact they lost Matt uh, sorry, they lost Kieran Trippier, and Jarry Mankio was missing as well. And obviously Callum Wilson is a long term injury. But again, I thought it was another mark of their the character and what's changed within the Newcastle United camp. You know, yes, you're missing Alan St. Maxman, your your key man, the man who carries the threat. But I, I don't think the reaction was as bad as it would have been a few months back. There seems to be this real confidence, not only within the Newcastle United camp, but within the, the, the fan base that they can they can deal with whatever is thrown at them. And, and for me, I thought Jacob Murphy stepped up you know, really well. And his opportunities to get ahead of Alan saint maximum, they are going to be rare. And he needs to make sure when he gets handed it, an opportunity like he did against us Ham. time, you know, he takes it. He's a he's a very capable wing. And I thought he stepped in and I thought there was there was a belief that he that he would do a more than decent job in replacing some Maxman.
0: I agree fair play to Jacob Murphy because this is a guy who had a horrific start to his Newcastle career, had to knuckle down and pay his dues, go out on loan a couple of times in the championship. Things haven't always gone his way. Came back last season, didn't get a great deal of chances as you would expect as, as you just said you're not going to get ahead of the, of alan st maxman in the team but he's ahead of miggy Almiron now in the pecking order you ha- you have to say that asm and fraser are your wingers which you know who would have thought playing ryan fraser a winger as a winger would have paid dividends who'd have thought it eh? playing players in their correct positions it's not rocket science, but um, yeah, Jacob Murphy. Fair play to the lad. He's he, okay. We all know he doesn't have that quality that ASM provides because not many do. And wingers are always your most frustrating players at the best of times. Um, but yeah, he. I, I think he um, he put in a real solid performance that kind of reaffirms to Eddie Howe that he's there. He can do a job. And you know, if Fraser's missing. Um, on on Saturday at Brentford, then I fully expect Jacob Murphy to come in and play again. Hopefully, Alan St-Maximin is fit though because he's always going to be a miss. Yeah, um, Ryan Fraser, he picked up
1: a knock and he will be assessed and we'll hear later in the week whether St-Maximin and Fraser are indeed fit to face Brentford, which is a really important game and we'll get on to talk about that later in the show. I know, Sam, you wanted to have a word about Matt Target. He's only played two games but is you know, you're opening two games and you're in a castle career go. He's performed really, really well. I've said many times on this podcast or over the last few weeks, he just looks assured in himself. You know, that self-confidence is there that every time the ball comes to him or, you know, he's got he's got to stick a stick of foot in, he, he looks confident in himself where I don't think we've had that with left backs previously. And that word confidence is, it, it is so key, not just for target, but for Newcastle United. I mean, how impressed have you been with him?
0: I've been very impressed and I, I have to be honest, I wasn't overly keen on the signing when it happened Um because I personally was not and I'm still not ready to give up on uh, Jamal Lewis. I still think there's a player in there and, and we've seen with players that weren't performing under the previous manager in his various degree of systems and formations, whatever you want to call them, Um, players have kicked on under Howe, and I think Jamal Lewis could have done and and was doing before his injury. However, Target's a guy who has been playing regular first-team football for the best part of, what, two and a half years at Villa? So it's not like he's been sat on the bench, in and out of the team. All right, they've signed Luca Dean, beat us to the signing of Luca Dean, and he's gone straight away. I have to go out and keep getting minutes. He's got his eye. Whilst England have got about 20 right-backs that can play there's not that many options on the left-hand side and he's identifying himself as as an option for the England squad for the World Cup later this year. Um, So fair play to him for for making himself available on loan. I thought it was harsh that Jamal Lewis was kept out of the 25. However, Target's been fantastic in in the games he's played. Like you say they're just solid, confident, when you're playing with ASM on that left-hand side, as he did against Everton, there's um, you're always going to be left, you know, a bit vulnerable. And we've seen that a lot over the the past couple of seasons. But I kind of it kind of evoked memories of, of speaking to Olivier Bernard on our podcast that when he had Lauren Robert playing in front of him, he wouldn't get any help. He was like looking over to Gary Speed to come and kind of fill in. And I think that's what was kind of happening with Joe Linton. He can now be pulled over to the left and do a job as part of that midfield three. I think it's a really positive area of the pitch now. And when we had Fraser, Murphy, Target, these are players that can deliver crosses into the box for Chris Wood, who I know hasn't scored yet, but um, I don't think he's been bad in any any sense.
1: You mentioned there, Chris Wood, and I've got a few stats in a moment which I think might... Uh, provoke a few um, interesting responses from from yourself, salmon from those listening. But on Matt Target, when I spoke to um, one of my colleagues down in Burnham ash Priest, who covers Aston Villa, he said he felt the reason Matt Target was named, I think, it was the player's player of the year last year. Yeah, he was helped by the fact there were no fans in the ground. You know, he felt he, he played better when it was behind closed doors. But I, I, I know it's only two games, and you know one's been at home, one hasn't. He doesn't
0: look phased at all by by uh, you know at St James's Park, does he? No, if you think back to his debut against Everton, that was that was hardly a quiet game, and things went wrong. We went behind, didn't we? So um, yeah, he certainly didn't look phased by any stretch of the imagination, and I think. Those atmospheres, particularly at St James's, at the minute, because it's just such a fantastic place to be again. It really is. It, it's it's back and better than ever. Um, you've got to embrace that kind of atmosphere. You really do, and, and it'll make you. I mean, as long as the, that crowd see you putting in the effort, which, to a man, everyone has, especially at West Ham, every player on that pitch gave everything for the shirt. Then the away fans, when you're on away days, will love you, and the home crowd will stick with you all together when you're at Saint James's as well. It's 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 an atmosphere to be embraced, and I think there's more to come from him still. Target, I mean, it, it's definitely one. Maybe he's a bit of a modern modern day uh, Wayne Bridge. Whenever these clubs get taken over, Man City and Chelsea, they seem to have signed Sean Wright, Phillips, and Wayne Bridge. Maybe he's our Wayne Bridge. Who knows?
1: We're only two games into his Newcastle United career, but from what he's said in recent weeks about Luca signing for Villa, I'm not sure Stephen Gerrard's gonna welcome him back with open arms. You've kind of questioned Stephen Gerrard's decision there. Um, I mean, and he's he's fully entitled to, and it's worked out for Newcastle because they look to have got a solid left back. Um, is it too early to say get him signed up this summer?
0: Possibly. Um as you say, it is only two games in and he's he's had a fantastic start. But fortunately a decision like that doesn't have to be made for a couple more months at least. We can see how he progresses. Um he's he's definitely of course he's on the list. He's played himself on the list to be signed on a permanent in the summer, but nowadays we can cast our net far and wide and you know, our budget for a left back is more than four million. So it, it I remember when we were linked with him when he was third choice southampton left back under Rafa I think that was some of, that was the kind of fee that was mooted for him at the time but there's there's going to be um the scouting department's going to be very busy between now and the summer I think
1: it's just nice to be talking about a, a, you know a good left back i mean paul dummett certainly had his moments in that position but you have to go back a, f- a fair while and and on both sides to be fair where you're talking about two you know more than decent full backs and it's refreshing that you know that those problems have now been solved because I know Newcastle United fans have been crying out for for you know decent a decent right back and a decent left back for for many many seasons.
0: Yeah, you said it. I mean, Kieran Kieran Trippier. I mean, I don't want to be kind of disrespectful to to the likes of Warren Barton, who I know we've we've uh, we've both had the pleasure of interviewing, uh, and guys like you know Aaron Hughes, Andy Griffin, Stephen Carr, and and all that. But Kieran Trippier, I think. It's a a big statement, and again, I don't mean it with any disrespect to to any of the other previous right-backs, but I think he's the best right-back I've seen play for Newcastle in over 25 years. And I know he's only played four games, so it sounds kind of ridiculous, but he's just on another level. His, His intelligence on and off the ball and his ability, it's just I mean, what what were Man United doing? <laughs> they yeah. could have signed him long before. What were they doing? It's, it's his leadership, so isn't it? I just love that I just
1: love when you're watching them and you can see him, you know, chatting away and, and pulling players in, into the right positions and just, you know, or, or or even just calming them down when they've maybe had a straight pass. He's just he's just got this leadership which is which has been such a benefit to Newcastle and you have to hope obviously he's not going to be on the pitch for a fair while, but you just have to hope behind the scenes, you know, um, he'll be, he'll be, you know, still applying that kind of expertise that he's got because it will be a huge loss, you know, on the pitch. But, you know, the next best thing is him doing it during the week through training when he's working back or whether he's sitting, I don't know if he'll be sitting in the dugout, but, you know, he'll be, he'll be in and around, you would think, the squad and and just, you know, putting an arm around maybe Mankey or or Kraft and and just a a little word in the ear because you know I don't know if it's a long shot to say but he definitely has that kind of management style about him I think you know you you could see him in a dugout in in you know six seven
0: years time 100% and I've seen a few things on on social media about fans saying oh will uh will LaSalle's you know, Will his nose be put out of joint with, with Trippier's presence and uh, with voices? This dressing room needed voices, another voice. So it needed more strong leadership. And with Trippier in, it won't hinder LaSalle's. It will help Jamal LaSelles. because for whatever you think of him on the pitch, he's proud to be captain of Newcastle United. And he does show, uh, he shows fantastic leadership of that we've not got much of in previous years it was a it, it seems from the outside looking in a very quiet dressing room um so your likes of lascelles and matt richie are needed and, and and trippier will just has come in and you saw you've seen already the the boost it's given it's just on another level so it, it's probably one of the most shrewdest signings we've made i know he's 31 but it, it still looks a snip for what 12 million
1: well, you know, you can play on until you're 36, 37 if you keep yourself fit and he looks in, in fine shape. You mentioned leaders there. One man who is, you know, really impressed under Eddie Howe has been John Joe Shelby. Um, it was said, I think it was Glenn Horrell said it earlier in the week. He he, he feels that Eddie Howe's gone to Shelby and said, you're, you're my cup of tea, was the expression he used. We've always known there's a player in John Joe Shelby. And I think both on this podcast and your own podcast, and every Newcastle Night podcast, we've said at certain moments over the last few years, that's the John Joe Shelby we know is there. That's the John Joe Shelby we want to see week in, week out. But then it's usually followed by a dismal display or he does something daft, he gets himself sent off or he has a shocking game. But I think for the first time in in, in many seasons, and I can't actually pinpoint when this has happened before, maybe... It was a few years ago when him, him and Lascelles had an, an outside chance of making the England squad for yeah. I can't what Commonwealth tournament it was. But it was, it was, well, it was 12, the it was right.
0: the it was the first season back in the Premier League under
1: was Rafa, wasn't, wasn't it? Yeah, we're seeing him now perform consistently at a level which we always knew was there. But it's it's the consistency we're now seeing. He's he's tracking back. He's getting his foot in. He's he's making you know the right decisions on the ball, not necessarily always that long Hollywood ball. Maybe it's just short passes here or there. He's been he's been something else, I think.
0: Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I I remember the um, the Brentford home game, and I know what I know. It was a three three draw, but he was immense that day. Um, him and Joe Linton were um, yeah. Consistency is key with John Joe, and and he's getting that now. I think maybe the added pressure of uh, a certain Bruno Gimareyes on on the bench, who is ready and and Willing to to make his first start probably helps, but you can't blame Howe for for not changing it in midfield because they've done very well, the three of them, in there as a unit. Um, If I was really, really nitpicking in the first half, I'd have liked to have seen them move the ball out quicker when we're on the counter, just get that ball through the midfield quicker so we can attack quicker. But... That is that is nitpicking because it was it was a really positive um, performance from from all three and and Shelby's been a big part of that. Um, yeah, I, I think he knows himself. I mean, chances of an international call up those days are gone, and it, and he knows that. But the the quotes I've seen come out from Shelby um, was it in the pro uh, the match day program the other week saying he wants to come back in. 10 years time and, and see how the club has progressed and he knows that he was a, a small cog that got this club back to hopefully where it belongs talks
1: of a new deal for shelby reported in the telegraph by by luke reds on on monday would you welcome a new deal for john joe shelby
0: it surprised me actually because there were there was there was, um, was it three or four of them share um, which doesn't surprise me. Who said he could uh, couldn't play in a back four? Um, he, he's been immense. Yeah, we all we all did. We all said he, he yeah he's a good player, but he he needs to play in in a five. He needs to have that license to roam. He like Philip Albert. Do you know what?
1: Do you know what on share right? Um, people who listen to, to the Everything is Black and White podcast will know I've not been the biggest fan of share when he's played. I, I tend to watch him with my hands over my eyes because he has that moment of I don't want to say stupidity but you know where he takes his eye off the ball and he makes the wrong pass and I look you know, he he was brilliant against Leeds and he's oh. put in solid performances since and again it's that consistency I think we're seeing but I I would like him I would like him to go up another level I think people forget he wasn't Rafa Benitez's first choice you know when Benitez signed him he was he was he was down the list and he still has that mistake in him. And I think it is just about I think when he when he when he's calm and he's he, you know he he's, he he's such a good player when he thinks about it. But sometimes he just dives in, he can be rash. If he's beaten by the man, that's not where you want to be if you're Fabian Chair or in your castle farm because he, he just chops down the man more often than not and he gets a silly booking. Um but yeah, he has been he has been good. Oh, um, over over recent games, but in the summer, Sam, if they go out and sign, say they go back in for Botman or they go back in for Carlos or Tarkowski or whoever, c- can you really see Fabian Share being being a first choice centre back in Newcastle United?
0: Maybe not, but I, I mean, I saw uh, AC Milan in, interested in uh, Fabian Share, which would kind of clear the way for us to sign Botman, who is my number one choice by a long, long way. um I've said elsewhere that, you know, he's he's a key part of maybe building the spine of the team for the next five, ten years. Um, i.e. Vincent Company with Bruno as our um, I don't know, Kante. But these are big names to fill. I'm ex- I'm exaggerating obviously, but those are the that's the kind of thing that we're aiming for now. Not just Hamza Chaudry on loan. But yeah, I, I take your point about Share. However, that Leeds game, he was majestic and he seems to have struck up a nice little partnership in the last two games with Dan Byrne, who talking about chopping players down, I mean, Dan Byrne did that um, uh, for fun with Jared Bowen. That was It was a bit
1: nasty, wasn't it? A bit of needle in that game. But you know what? I've got it written down here. Dan Byrne bringing the fight. That's what I've got written down on my notes. As simple as that. And he's just bringing a little bit of nastiness to that back four, to that centre-back pairing. We saw against Tyrone Mings where he's not afraid to get his head stuck in. And we saw it again with with Jared Bourne and of course if it was the other way around we'd be equally as fuming as West Ham fans were but it is nice to see Newcastle carrying a bit of punch about them in the in the defence.
0: I love Dan Burn, uh, I really do. The 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 incident with Tyrone Mings I think I've, th- there was nothing in it for me. I just think Kappa need to have a look at their quality control. With the the Villa shirts uh, with with Tyrone Mings, I mean, there's only one winner in that, and it's Big Dan Byrne every day of the week, and and it was, it, it was naughty that tackle on Bowen, but it it's one of them where if he's on your side, you you think that that that's a bit funny, but it it's it's he's been, again, it was another one that that debut against Aston Villa, man of the match performance, awesome, superb, what we've been crying out for, for months and months and months, and. Now, when Lascelles is fit, Federico Fernandez is coming back fit. There's actually decisions to make now for Eddie Howe. It's not just well we have to go with Cher and um, obviously Kieran Clark's played himself out of the the 25 man squad. Things have gone from bad to worse for him ever since Brighton away last season. Horrific. Um, but now there's there's decisions to be made and strength in depth is something that we've not had for for well all season, is it? But Again, Dummett was is another one that was in that conversation about a new deal. That one, I've got to be honest, surprises me. Um, Along with Shelby and Sean Longstaff, Sean Longstaff, I kind of it. It's one of them. It's a difficult situation because you don't want to just turn your back on the players that have seen you through the bad times, kept us in the Premier League for five years under the darkest days of Mike Ashley when there was no investment and we all know the stories now we don't need to look back at, at that era it's done and dusted and things are looking up but them, them players, Paul Dummett in particular have stuck with us through thick, thin and very very thin so but It's interesting does not it
1: because I think I think if you're Paul Dummett and Sean Longstaff and you're looking at that more particularly maybe Paul Dummett. this is just just my view. Even your cast United fan at heart, you know you barely played over the last few seasons. And he'll know in himself whether this is something more long term or, you know, he will know realistically if he thinks he can challenge those players and get into that starting eleven. And in his head and in his heart, if he knows he can't, I I think he, he would be one of those players which goes, you know, for the better of this club, you know, you know, maybe my future doesn't lie here. I'll be a fan. I'll be in the stands every 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 weekend. And it'll be a hard decision because, of course, he will want to be part of that team going forward. But I do think he'll be sensible in it and, and look at it from a point of view, you know, of his fitness and whether he, he genuinely thinks he can be part of that first team because he don't want to just be making up the numbers, I don't
0: think. No. It, it is a tricky one because, we, in my opinion, I, I couldn't play dumb at left-back anymore. I don't think he has the legs for it. So against Leeds, I mean, Rafinha killed him for 60 minutes, and that the turning point was when he went off. Don't get me wrong, Dummit did a great job, because at the end of the day, Rafinha didn't score, and we won the game, and, and life was good again, but the turning point was, when he went off and Mankio came on, and we were able to to stretch Leeds and get after them, and get up the pitch on that side, which Dummit just couldn't do, because he was too busy having to track Rafinha. It was... For me, he's more of a left-sided centre-back, but again, can he play in a back two? I don't know. It's an
1: interesting one, isn't it? Um, Dan Byrne, as you say, has been brilliant. What What was your initial reaction when your castle were linked to Dan Byrne? It, you know, it sort of came out of the blue. They'd been the chase for Carlos. They'd been the chase for for Bottman and, and, and a couple of other centre-backs and they've gone in got damn Ben. Obviously, you know, you cast sighted fans. So when you offer that chance of if they meet the, the asking price, you, you know you're gonna you're gonna come back home, aren't you? What was your initial reaction? And have you been surprised by just how well he's performed?
0: Um my initial reaction was so much for Premier League teams not dealing with us. Um it was one of them, as I say, I would have loved Batman. Carlos was an interesting one. Um I remember David Ornstein from the Athletic saying, um Diego Carlos was like the best centre-back in La Liga at the moment. So I was like, oh, yes, please. Um, But again, in the same sort of mould of Chris Wood, this is Premier League proven short-to-medium-term signing, which is exactly what we needed at the moment. Just no frills, old-school defender who's an absolute beast. And it's paying dividends already. I mean... Look at his two performances so far. They've just been just rock solid, proper centre-back. And you just can't grumble with anything he's done so far and long, may it continue. Yeah, fingers crossed.
1: He has been absolutely brilliant. And we're going to get on to Chris Wood in just a moment. But just a note that we've launched a nationwide survey here at Reach PLC called the League of Love and Hate. Essentially, we want you guys, Newcastle United fans, to pick the five teams you like watching aside from Newcastle and the five you hate um, is what I've got written down here. So you'll fill in that form. And then when the survey closes in a few weeks' time, we're going to create a big map and it's going to show you um, how... Fans of clubs feel about other sides around them, so it'll be an interesting um, conclusion to that survey. I'm going to pop it in the podcast notes and you'll see it across the social media channels over the next few weeks as well. So please do just take a, a moment or two to fill that out. Really intrigued to see the results on that, Sam. I'm going to ask you for the five other teams aside from Newcastle you don't mind watching and the five you really don't like watching.
0: Well, the, the ones I don't like are very easy Aston Villa, Sunderland, Wolves um who else don't i like those are the main three of course (laughs) they are um the ones i do like i actually go uh i used to uh back in the day i used to go and watch crew quite a bit um what just one of the salt of the earth teams of of english football i think they're at their youth academy the the players that have come out of that um academy is, is wow and uh, at the time when i used to go watch them they used to have to produce a million pound player every two seasons to stay afloat and they did it a lot players like danny murphy dean ashton um just to name a couple there there are low loads loads more but yeah I, and they played good football as well so yeah i used to like going and watching crew see
1: i've got i've got the People that follow me on twitter i am a, my second team is burton so they are in my list of five i like to watch and i have got wolves in there actually like i think they 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 are really decent sides i don't mind them um, a bit of wolves I enjoyed the game over the weekends um so they are on my list and um yeah i'll not i'll not reveal my um the five teams i hate just to to keep objective in this job um <laughs>
0: very sensible well,
1: Um, I do just want to briefly mention we we mentioned there the midfield and how well John Joe Shelby's doing how well Joe Linton uh, has been doing he's just been a transformation but how nice was it to see Joe Willick finally get that goal it was a lovely finish and you feel over the last few weeks it's just been building and building up to that moment of that first goal and now, fingers crossed the seal will be broken and we'll start seeing him score more regularly because I do feel against Everton and against Leeds and against Villa, we saw him getting in more advanced positions, but also yeah. having the confidence to shoot. You know, Malcolm McDonald always says you've got you've got to shoot the score. You've got to miss the score. And so in some uh, circumstances, you know, you miss, you get the ball again, you shoot and, you know, you, you, you've got to, you know, you've got to take that opportunity. Whereas previously to them three games, I felt he was getting in positions and not having the confidence but we've been seeing that build-up and it's obviously it peaked
0: with the goal against West Ham. If ever there was a player that deserved it. I mean, I've been defending Joe Willock for quite a while on Newcastle Fans TV. Look, this kid is not Kennedy. The, the, and it was never going to be the case of being another Kennedy. And like, I took offence to, to people saying that. He was never going to come in and carry on this amazing goal-scoring run that, um, that happened at the back end of last season. And people forget that he came off the bench in quite a few of these games because he maybe didn't warrant a place in the starting eleven. But knuckled down, come off the bench, played his way into the team, went on a terrific run, and absolutely right that we signed him on a permanent deal. Absolutely right. Um, obviously, Steve Bruce put all of his eggs in that basket and couldn't get the investment out elsewhere for for loan deals. But that's the old Newcastle. But he has been absolutely fantastic the past few weeks. Again, he's getting into that uh, the the right positions, and you can see, um, particularly in that Leeds game, played his way into that game beautifully. Really grew into the game, really did. Um, and he was one of the best players um, in the second half. And it's it's it's. I loved seeing players come back to their their proper form, and I hope it's going to happen with Jamal Sells, And I think it was doing, um, but yeah, Joe Willock getting into that role of bringing the ball forward again. What I was saying earlier, just needing to to get the ball out quicker on the attack on the counter, um, that's what he was doing at the three, and arriving into the box like getting a, on the end of things having the confidence to shoot, which he did against uh, Everton, which, all right, the shot was pretty horrific. But uh, Villa, sorry, not Everton. Um, yeah, the shot was pretty horrific, but it doesn't matter. You're getting in that correct position. And like you say about Supermac, you keep shooting and, and the goals will come. Interestingly enough, I remember what Supermac said on uh, our channel about Joe Linton, which was find yourself another position. And he has. Um, so, uh, you know, the one of the many... Uh, points of wisdom from Super Mac. But yeah, Willock, amazing, fantastic. And I hope um, he becomes an England international if he carries on in that trajectory. But yeah, proper player, really good.
1: Yeah, I mean, the stats show he has carried the ball um, a fair distance over this season. Only answer at Maxman, understandably, is his, his carried it more in a forward position. And, and Joe Linton's right up there as well. I mean, you look at the stats for Joe Linton, it's, it's unbelievable. If someone had told you this, Six months ago, he would have just laughed them out of the place. He just, he's just a totally different player. And again, listeners of this podcast would probably be sick of me just praising Joe Linton, But you can't have an, you can't talk about another Newcastle United game without looking at what Joe Linton did again on Saturday. And he deserves all the praise coming his way. And we mentioned the fight Dan Burns bringing. But I tell you what, I would not want to get on the wrong side of Joe Linson. He looks like a... Incredible Hulk. At times when you make, I imagine if you make him angry, as Deli Ali found out, you know you better be moving pretty
0: quickly to where uh, the team bus. Oh, that was a joy to see. It really was, especially with some of them uh, Everton players who didn't want to join us because, uh, well, the new Everton players that didn't want to join us for not for want of not being in a relegation fight. That's worked out well for them, hasn't it? Um, but yeah, Joe Linton. I mean, why would you have ever played that kid in, as as a striker? He's just hes just an absolute natural Patrick Vieira, isn't he? What, what... Equally, I mean, I, I, and I mentioned this to John Gibson in, in our
1: um, preview episode for the West Ham, Ham game. I would love to have been in the room when Eddie Howe sits down with him and goes, do you know where I'm going to try and play you in this position, you know, that Patrick Vieira fella, try and replicate that because I can't really imagine where that moment of, of brilliance from Eddie House come from because he, he he didn't look like a striker but he didn't look like this midfield enforcer that we've seen him in my opinion anyway
0: yeah i mean he's he's, he's not a striker because he still gets in front of goals and kick it kicks it against his own head um and then you move out wide and he, oh, always a winger he played for on the wing for halfenheim Well, is he built as a winger is he quick enough to be a winger i'm not so sure you move into the middle and and like you say he's just an absolute beast of a man he I mean, all of a sudden, 40 million looks pretty reasonable, which is, if, if anyone would have said that at any given moment about Joe Linton in the past two and a half years, yeah, there would have been uh, arguments and, and a white van pull-up. But it, it's, it's just absolutely brilliant to see a player who has gone from rock bottom, both confidence-wise a young kid coming a lot away from home, already moved to Europe, had a loan spell Austria, Premier League, tough league to adapt to, playing out of position, and now all of a sudden, look how much he's grown. He's now a leader on the pitch as well, bringing in when when Bruno's coming off off the bench, and he's he's going straight to Joe Linton for for some direction, and and it's just wow, what a transformation! Brilliant to see. It's. Uh, it it's it um kind of makes you feel proud in a way. But if ever there was anything <laughs> to come good from Kieran Clark's red card against Norwich, it is that because that's when he had to drop deep. Indeed. And you
1: mentioned there, Bruno, and this is the dilemma that everyone's talking about, and you can totally understand why he hasn't started in the last few games because the midfield trio of Joe Willick, Joe Linton, and John Joe Shelby have performed, you know, really, really well. They've all stepped up. A level, and again on the on the the preview podcast that we did with John Gibson, we both said we feel it would be probably Joe Willick would be the one to drop out. He then goes and scores a goal. You then look at Shelby, who's been, been performing really well. I think Joe Linton, he's not even in the picture. He right. will. He's one of the first names on that team sheet for me, and I, I think the same would apply for Eddie Howe as well. So it then looks at being between Shelby and Willick. And that itself is a massive decision. It's a really tough call for Eddie Howe. And if you had said, again, six months ago, not only would you sign a Brazilian international, <laughs> hailed as one of the best in Europe, but he wouldn't be starting in the games he's been fit and available, you would have laughed them
0: out of the room again. Yeah, and we weren't losing. Um, and that, yes. For, for me, I have to be honest, I always thought it was more Shelby's position that was under threat as opposed to Willock. I thought that battle was more between Willock and Sean Longstaff. Because Shelby is kind of the middle of the three, um, and I think that's where Bruno would be more suited. Um, but yeah, it's a tricky one. But it's a it's a great dilemma to have because it's options, it's strength in depth, it's it's having a proper squad of players for the. And first it's a part. lot more easier to have or
1: to accept this dilemma, to welcome this dilemma, like you say, when when they're winning, you know, Newcastle are yeah. winning games, they won't be in so. You know that helps people go, yeah, okay. But the way they're performing also makes this dilemma um, a totally understandable one, and it's going to be interesting in the weeks going forward. And like you you mentioned when we talking about Shelby, the fact Bruno has come in, you know, players are looking around and thinking, well, he's going to be in one more position, you know. And that competition element so so crucial. And that's something that was missed by the Mike Ashley years. You very rarely had quality competition in 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 areas. And we're starting to see this under the new ownership where they are bringing in quality players and saying to players already in that position, you want to be part of this journey, go out and prove yourself. And fair play to everyone who's been handed that
0: challenge. So far, so good. They've done that. They've stepped up. It's amazing what happens when you train for more than two days a week, isn't it? Um, but the, th- the thing is as well, you look at bruno coming off the bench for his debut against everton it was almost like a dream debut and he was only on for 10 minutes uh, cuz he, he he impacted the game anyway and he got, and got the crowd on their feet and just got us over that line in a way after after trippier put the game to bed it kept the atmosphere going for the entire 90 minutes um it's 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 fantastic i mean if and i still say if i know things are going well at the moment but there's obviously a long way to go we've got some tricky fixtures particularly in april and and into May before we go to Turf Moor for the final day of the season. So there is still work to do. So if we do stay up this season, which hopefully we we will, and we'll have it put to bed before then, before April. That is, it's it's such an exciting time. It's it's the most exciting time ever to be a Newcastle fan if if we stay up because. It, we're actually going to be run like a proper Premier League football team for a change. And it's we're going to be competitive in transfer markets. We're going to be competitive. We're not going to be um, afraid of being outbid. We're not going to be outmuscled. We're not going to be messed around in the transfer market despite the, the, the new influx of wealth that we have. We saw that in January, that the new owners aren't going to be held to ransom and paying over the odds for players. So... it's it's such a great time it's it's such an exciting time and I I cannot wait for the summer if we stay (laughs) on.
1: there's there's ambition to do more than just make up the numbers in the Premier League which is exactly what Newcastle United fans have have wanted over recent years to to be more than a club just existing and and we are starting to see that the foundation's set to, to 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 be more than a club that is just existing um on Saturday then against Brentford, are you sticking with that midfield trio or
0: are you going to drop one of them out and bring in Bruno? It's so tricky because I thought How might be tempted to, to start Bruno um, at West Ham because with no ASM, I thought if you start Bruno, then that would at least give the players a bit of an uplift and the, the travelling support a bit of an uplift. It It's a tricky one. It really is. I'd I'd be tempted to go with Bruno, but then again... Who do you drop out? <laughs> you know? Exactly. Who do you drop out? I, I mean, you'd have to stick with the same three for now. I know Brentford have got the likes of Ivan Tony potentially coming back, and he was a, a thorn in Lascelles' side at St. James's, But uh, Big Dan Byrne should be able to uh, keep him quiet for an hour and a half, surely. Um, yeah, massive game. And if we win on Saturday, then that will go a long, long, long way. To, to secure and safety for another year
1: yeah and we'll have our preview podcast looking ahead to that Brentford game with John Gibson out on Thursday as usual now on to Chris Woods he's having a bit of a difficult time isn't he I mean he hasn't got the goal but you know he is proving himself I think you know he's very good in the air against West Ham he won um, 11 aerial duels is he been impacted? by the fact he's just not really getting the service. I think there were maybe a couple of crosses that went to the box where you, you had hoped he was there and he wasn't. But that aside, the, the 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 service just isn't there for him. You know, he's winning these headers. No one's running alongside him. That's one point. And then the crosses just aren't coming in where he can, he can meet the ball in the air and, and, and put it towards goal.
0: Yeah, I mean, for all of Jacob Murphy's great work on Saturday, there was the odd occasion, again, like wingers frustrated, there was an odd occasion where maybe the wrong decision was made and a cross went a little bit astray. But look, Chris Wood, I don't think he's doing badly at all. Uh, I know strikers are judged on goals, but if you think back to when we were playing Joe Linton up front and how isolated the lone man was, that's not Chris Wood. Chris Wood's getting involved, winning headers, bringing the ball down, play, holding it up, playing people in. and He's getting involved in play. Yes, he's probably only had one or two sites of goal in these games so far. One was a pretty tame header, which, OK, he should have done better with. And the other one I think he was offside for anyway, so it was pretty irrelevant. But it, I think it'll come for him. But this, is, this was a classic example of, short-term signing for exactly what we need because we're so light on the ground up top and you can't rely on Callum Wilson to stay fit as, as much as it pains you. He's unreliable, but he's brilliant, Callum Wilson, and every Newcastle fan will love Callum Wilson, me included. But you can't rely on him to to keep fit and I fully expect us to go and get another striker at the, uh, at the end of the season uh, should we stay up. But I don't think Chris Wood's doing a bad job at all. It, it's... Just, I think that main point is look at when we had Joe Linton up top and how isolated he was. That's not happening anymore. We're still getting up the pitch and scoring goals, which we weren't doing. In terms of crosses
1: against West Ham, Newcastle completed only seven out of an attempt of 25. And Emile Kraft had the top number with three. Matty Target attempted 12, but only managed two. Um, So that kind of says it all when you know, your wingers, Ryan Fraser and Jacob Murphy aren't up there, Um, you know, incompleted crosses, let alone attempted crosses, so it says something there, Murphy had the most touches in the box with 12, Chris Wood only had 5, and he only had 28 across the whole game, so he is, you know, for all he's winning the ball, and he is he is a little bit isolated, but I guess how do you, you can't really fix that with the way the way Newcastle like United play, I guess, you know, he's He's doing the job he's been brought in to do, and I guess from his point, he's just got to keep his head head up. He's got to be confident that he's, you know, he's he's going to be involved in the games, and he and he is gonna he's gonna get a goal eventually.
0: He will, he will, and I, and I know we've paid over the odds for him for his release clause. But but let's face it, Burnley we're never going to sell him otherwise. Um, if he scores five goals between now and the end of the season. He's worth every penny of that transfer fee, in my opinion, because that's exactly why we bought him. Um, he 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 was isolated a bit, but not nowhere near as much as the previous point of uh, I made of Joe Linton because he's still getting involved in the game and laying it off. He, he has to come a lot deeper. And when he's playing with St. Maximin on one side of him, Crosses aren't going to be coming into the box anyway. That <laughs> You know what ASM's going to do, and he's he's going to run, try and cut inside and, and build play up that way. He's not going to take it out wide, apart from the uh, lovely goal against Everton, uh, Everton, which Fraser got on the end of. So crosses aren't going to come in as often as it would, in theory, with with Murphy and Fraser who've got a better delivery, um, which is why I think he went, uh, how he went for Murphy over Almiron. Um but look it's it's probably our least glamorous signing, but it's one that was very much needed for the short term. And I'm 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 staying with the guy because when Callum Wilson's fit, is he gonna play? Probably not.
1: Hmm. No, I you know it was a necessary signing, he's got good character, he's got Premier League pedigree. You know, I, and I always think back to the story about Alan Shearer and David Ginola and Ginola refusing to put the ball in the box. it would be Interesting to see how Alan Shearer would react with Alan Maximum on the wing if he, um, you know, tried to turn a defender once or twice more than he should do
0: without putting the ball in the box, wouldn't it? Yes. Um, Ought to be a fly on the wall if that scenario uh, would have ever happened. But (laughs) it's a different time as well, isn't it? I mean, you know, Shearer won the Premier League with, with Blackburn because of Crosses from Ripley and Jason Wilcox. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that's not going to happen with ASM. No, no, it's it's very hard when
1: you're the man not crossing the ball is your biggest threat, isn't it? And um, we've seen just what he can do over uh, over the recent weeks and uh, the, the good results Newcastle have had. We will finish on Eddie Howe, um, Simon Howe, how he's done. Uh, you know, it was tough for Newcastle in the beginning. I think we saw little bits of improvement. And then over the last few weeks, it's just all just kind of exploded in the right way. And Newcastle just looking like a team that are gelling despite all the, the injury issues they've had and what have you. You know, we are starting to see Eddie Howe's Newcastle United.
0: Yeah, Um I think he was very unlucky that we didn't see kind of that new manager bounce cliche happen because we did in a lot of elements of the performances. Um, I think back to that Brentford uh, 3-3 where Harry wasn't there because he had COVID. Um, but in, a, in an attacking sense, we did have that bounce. Um, it was just that a couple of them sloppy defensive areas came to the fore, which kind of spoilt things. But... Whilst we didn't have that bounce results-wise, you know, us fans know what we see and and it was complete chalk and cheese to what we had under Steve Bruce. And now the pleasing thing is that the results are coming. They could have even been better. I mean, at the start of this one, beat and run, we drew against Man United. We should have won that game every day of the week and twice on Sunday we deserved to win that game. But... We're starting to get what we deserve now. Little slices of luck, like leads away, are going our way, which just weren't happening for us. Things weren't clicking. We look fitter. We look so much fitter. I mean, I don't, I don't care what anyone says. We came into this season undercooked. We didn't look right. Well, Callum Wilson
1: said it, so you know you can't get much bigger name than than
0: that. Was. You you think back to that first game at home, Andrew, against West Ham. We looked. Done after sixty minutes. Yeah, done. We we were we were there were players out there compl- that were blowing their backsides. What I can't understand about
1: that is how Callum Wilson can then go on a podcast a few months later and and make that point like he knew, like if if he knew other players knew the coaching. I just I mean we don't know. We've moved on from that time, and you know we're in a much better position as a as a club. But it is it, when I heard that I did scratch my head. It was a bit bizarre because. I'm thinking, how 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 are we? How were you casting it at that point? At the first game of the season, it, it didn't make any sense to me.
0: Well, it was embarrassing. What well, it really was—the the, the start of the season—you could tell we were we were so undercooked. Um, it's a difficult one because Bruce was popular with the players, wasn't he? Um, he's he's got that kind of um, relationship with with the players that makes him popular, which. I don't know. It not always a great thing. I know for all of Rafa's flaws, you got complete polar opposite. But I think Howe has that nice balance, where they work his players very hard, and we saw that with the trip to Saudi. That the play it wasn't a jolly by or a PR exercise by any stretch of the imagination. It was proper hard work, warm weather training, and look, look at it now. It's paying dividends. We look fitter. We're for the whole ninety minutes, players are working and working and working, and that's all the that's all we ever want to see. Is players giving everything for ninety minutes, and we got that at West Ham. Every single player on that pitch give everything for the badge, and that's all we ask.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. It's been an excellent few weeks, and long may it continue. Sam, thank you very much for popping on to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. Just let our listeners know where they can find you.
0: So, uh, Newcastle Fans TV on YouTube. and um, We also have our kind of side project podcast uh, called The Greenwood and Mulliner Show on Newcastle Fans TV. Um, we have a different guest on that myself and my co presenter, Johnny, interview every week, including yourself, Andrew. You've been good enough to pop on. Um, yeah, yeah ex players, Newcastle legends, Sir John Hall, Nobby Solano, loads, 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 loads more. Uh, Lamana Lawalawa, law. uh, that gets released every Tuesday as well. So uh, go on
1: over and give it a listen. Yeah, it's a great listen. I do recommend you guys subscribe. And of course, subscribe to this podcast as well if you haven't done it already. Head over to uk where we'll keep you up with all the latest Newcastle United news, including looking ahead to that game against Brentford this weekend and much, much more. Thank you very much for tuning in.